You're listening to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Sevierville, where our mission is helping people move from their point of need to hope in Christ. For more information about our church, head on over to severe.church. Today's sermon, Grow, is part two in the series, Strategy, Our Plan for Spiritual Growth in 2024, shared by Associate Pastor Craig Mintz. Well, thank you so much, worship team, for leading us to worship the Lord Jesus this morning. Church family, it's good to see you. I'd love for you to join me in your Bibles in the New Testament book of Hebrews. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25 today. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. We're going to be looking at what it means to grow in our church's discipleship strategy. Last week we looked at worship. We're going to consider what it looks like to grow this week. I imagine some of you in the room made some resolutions for the new year. People do that every year. Some think it's silly, but some of you have thought to yourself, you know what, I need to make some goals. I need to make some resolutions for 2024, make some changes in my life. Of course, some of the common ones we all know about are getting healthier, losing weight, uh, getting out of debt, getting your finances in order and all of that. The problem is a lot of people make these resolutions and goals, but they don't make any plan to actually get there. They don't have any steps that they're going to take in their life to achieve those goals. It's just kind of a wish, kind of a dream out here in the clouds, but there's no thought given to the reality of how am I actually going to get there? What changes need to be made? What steps need to be set in order for me to reach that goal? I think about some years ago when my wife Jessica and I had some debt, uh, we began to read uh, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University and look at the seven steps he has to you know, getting that emergency fund together and starting the debt snowball. And he's got these steps in place so that if you want to get rid of debt and be more generous and, and better with your finances, you can do that. Not just wish it's going to happen, but take some steps to make it happen. Whether you made any goals or resolutions for 2024 or not, I'm actually going to challenge you from the Word of God today to make at least one. And that is that you would make a goal in 2024 to stir one another up. I know that may sound a little strange. I'm going to explain what I mean. But I want to challenge you from Hebrews 10 this morning in 2024 to make a goal that you're not going to just stay in your lane this year spiritually, but that you are actually going to get involved with one another. Getting involved in a life group where you can form relationships, get to know people, and get close enough to people to not just exist as a Christian, but to actually actively stir one another up. Well, we can't just wish that's going to happen. We've got to make a plan to do it. We've got to have a strategy. I want to show you up on the screen this strategy map that Pastor Dan introduced us to last week. Again, we've, we've looked at it several times. Last week, we talked about worship. It, what we do in here Sunday after Sunday is essential. It really is essential to the life of the church. The Lord needs to be praised and worshiped. We need to lift up our hearts in song together to him and to hear the preaching of the word. But while worship, the worship gathering is essential, it's incomplete for us as Christians. If all we do is show up here on a Sunday morning, 
uh, we're not taking advantage of what all we can take advantage of in God's church to grow spiritually. We need to grow in life groups. So let's read together in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Well, I want to share the three let us statements that are made in this passage this morning, but I want to give some background. We don't exactly know who wrote Hebrews, but it's clear that they were writing to a church that had a lot of Jewish Christians. Christians who had a Jewish background. They knew the law of Moses. They made sacrifices at the temple. They celebrated the festivals. But someone told them that their Messiah, the Jewish Messiah, had come. Jesus, the Son of God, and had died on the cross for their sins and had made the perfect and final sacrifice for them. No longer did the blood of bulls need to be spilled or goats or lambs. Jesus, the Lamb of God, spilled his blood on the cross for us so that we could be saved. And no other sacrifice was necessary. And as the writer of Hebrews writes, he's writing to a people who are persecuted because they believe it. They are facing many trials, a lot of intense persecution because of their belief in Jesus. And there's a great temptation now to just throw up their hands and say, you know what, this is too much for me. I'm walking away. Yeah, I confessed Jesus, but actually I, I think better of it now. I'm just going to go back to my old life. And the writer of Hebrews wants them to know, listen, don't go back to the old law of Moses. Don't, don't go back to the old sacrifices. There's someone who's better and superior, and his name is Jesus. Jesus is greater than the angels. He's greater than the Moses. He's greater than the sacrifices. Jesus is the one to hold on to. And because we have Jesus, there's three let us statements he makes here in this passage in Hebrews. First of all, he says, let us, in verse 22, let us draw near. So let us draw near to God. So we have confidence to draw near to God. When you were a sinner apart from Jesus, you didn't have that confidence. You had shame. You had sin in your life. You had no way to come into the presence of God, but now you do through Jesus. You have confidence, not based on your own merit, but based on Christ to draw near to God to pray to Him, to put your faith in Him, to be saved, to worship Him. You can draw near to God every moment of every day. And by the way, God is not aloof, is He? When you try to draw near to God, God doesn't just say, talk to my secretary, make an appointment. We'll get together when I have time. 
No, God is always available. He always invites us to draw near. In fact, uh, the book of James tells us that if we draw near to God, in James 4a, if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. So we can draw near to God because of Jesus. We can also, he says, the second let us, verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. See, I explained the church. They were, some of them were wavering in their faith. They were thinking, do I want to continue with Jesus? Do I want to continue on this path at great cost? And their confession that they had made, it was getting weak. It was wavering. And he says, listen, Jesus is worth it. And so hold on to your confession. And he says, you can hold on because he's holding on to you. He who called you is faithful. You can remain faithful to Christ because Christ is faithful to you no matter what you're facing. But then I want us to focus on that third lettuce. And this is where I want us to camp out today in verse 24. And let us consider. Would you hear that word consider? Make a plan. Have thought about it. Be intentional. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So that's the third let us. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. I mentioned the word consider there. I challenged you at the beginning to make a plan. Have a resolution to stir up one another here in the body of Christ to love and good works. But we can't just wish to do that. We've got to consider how we're going to do it. And the way we do it here at First Baptist is by gathering in life groups. You see, it's difficult for me to stir you up to love and good works if I don't know you. If I don't ever interact with you. If I don't ever spend time with you. And the size of our church, we have the blessing of worshiping together in this great congregation, this great crowd, but there's no way you can get to know one another in just this setting, is there? Maybe in a very small church you can do that, but in this church we can't do that. We've got to get smaller. We've got to get together in life groups, in these small groups, where we can look one another in the eye See, you're not looking one another in the eye right now, are you? You're looking at me. You're paying attention to me. Everybody's facing forward. But in life groups, we're able to circle up. We're able to look one another in the eye. We're able to minister to one another, challenge one another, minister the word to one another, discuss the word together, and stir one another up to love and good works. By the way, that word there, stir up, the 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 goal that I'm asking you to make, that word is only used one other time in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, when Paul and Barnabas got in an argument, a sharp disagreement. They had been on a missionary journey together and John Mark bailed on them halfway through. Well, it comes time for missionary journey number two and Barnabas says, let's take John Mark. Paul says, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not taking him. He bailed on us. When we went last time, I'm not taking him again. He's going to flake out on us. I'm filling in some words here. But they had, they had a sharp disagreement over whether to take him or not. 
And that same word is used here. Some of your versions may say provoke. Some of your versions may say stir up. I'm using the stir up translation. But that's what we're called to do as the church. Not just to keep our head down. Not just to stay in our lane. Not just to live this little Americanized, individualistic Christianity where we read our little devotionals and we watch our favorite preachers online. But where we come together physically as the church to stir one another up to be faithful and obedient to Christ in relationship with one another. And we can do that in life groups. We can stir one another up. But guess what? You can't stir up unless you show up. Notice what he says there uh, as he challenges them in this. He says, not neglecting the assembling of yourselves together. Not neglecting the assembling of yourselves together. You see, it appears that Some people in that church were MIA. They weren't showing up. And we don't know why. Maybe it was because of the persecution. They just decided not to come anymore because it was too difficult to gather with the church. But whatever the reason, he says, you're not, some of you've gotten in a habit, a bad habit, an easy habit to get into, a hard habit to break. And that is you're not coming together with the church body. And because you're not showing up, you can't stir up. See, we use that verse sometimes kind of as a bludgeon to guilt trip people, don't we? Not assembling yourselves together. Shame on you for not assembling together. Shame on you for not assembling together. We sort of use that verse sometimes to just make people feel guilty about not coming to church or being irregular in their attendance and being together with a group. But I hope what you'll see in this verse today in the context is the verse here isn't meant to be just kind of a guilt trip for people who don't show up or only show up when they want to. But it's to help you think about what happens when you're not here. You see, when you miss, not only do you miss out, we miss out. A lot of times when people miss, we say, hey, we sure would love to see you in church. The implication is you're missing out. You're not growing in Christ because you're not here. And that's true. That's a true statement, but it's an incomplete statement. What people often don't consider in their selfish individualized notion is not only are you missing out when you're not here, I'm missing out when you're not here. I'm missing out because you didn't show up to stir me up. You didn't show up and use the gifts that God has given you and and the encouragement God has given you to encourage me, to help me, to strengthen me, to challenge me, to apply the word of God in my life and to live it out. And so we we can't stir up unless we show up. So let's not miss out on being together. Now clearly sometimes and I'm saying this probably to you who are watching uh, online today or on TV, uh, sometimes you can't show up, can you? Pastor Dan uh, talked about last week about being providentially hindered. Uh, But I think a lot of times, and some of you are like, you're sick, you're homebound, whatever it may be. Praise God for our media ministries where you can still connect in a way to the church and hear the word of God preached. I'm not talking about you. But I'm talking about everyone else who has not been providentially hindered. You've been self-hindered. There's just for some reason, you're not gathering together and showing up to stir up. I want to encourage you to do that today because not only are you missing out, we're missing out. You know, we do have this tendency, don't we, 
these days to just sort of curate our own faith and our own practice of faith for ourselves. It's so easy to do, to kind of make a playlist of all my favorite worship songs so I can, I can just listen to the ones I like to listen to and worship with and to watch the preachers I like to watch because they're my favorite preachers. Praise God for all those things. I have my own playlist. I listen to them and worship when I'm walking and when I'm at home. I listen to preachers online. There's some great ones out there that are fantastic that encourage me. But guess what? When we do that, it's a shadow. It's a shell of what Christ has called us to do because we are not incarnational in our ministry. God has called us to be together. We need one another and we can't be a believer uh, just by focusing individually on a screen or on a playlist or listening to the person we like. We have to come together and stir one another up to the love and good works. Now, I'm not just talking about doing love and good works for the sake of it, right? The, a lost world can love people and do good works, can't they? The, the Mormon and the Muslim and the atheist can do love and good works, but they don't do it like we do, do they? Because they don't do it through faith in Christ to the glory of God for the sake of the gospel so that people may hear that Jesus came to save them. And that's what we do when we come together and stir one another up is we're saying, hey, come with me. There's a need out there. Will you join hands with me in meeting that need and in telling someone that Jesus loves them? I want to encourage you, if you're in a habit of not being in a group, to start a new habit in 2024. And we've got some people who want to help you with that. I want to quickly introduce you to our GROW team. Uh, I'm the GROW pastor. That's why I'm preaching this message to you while Pastor Dan's away uh, today. But there's a team that works with me and we wanna help you. And you may not be familiar with some of them. So they're gonna be up on the screen with their faces and titles. Some of them better looking than others, but I'll, I'll let you determine who's who there. Uh, so first of all, uh, Jeff Pettis, there's Jeff. Jeff and I work hand in hand. He's our Grow and Go director. He uh, works with me in helping encourage, strengthen our groups on campus and off campus. We have life groups, not just on campus on Sunday morning, but throughout the week in people's homes. And so he helps me with that. Uh, Christy Russell, my ministry assistant for many years, uh, helping with all the details. Uh, Craig Wells is our next generation ministry director. Craig's kind of the quarterback who helps everybody who's over preschool through college coordinate. Uh, Keith Allman, our kids pastor, who was just up here a few minutes ago during our offering time. Corwin Kulig, our student pastor, so junior high and high school students. Amanda Sweat, our girls' ministry director, uh, focusing on girls in our next generation ministry. Kelly Douglas, our next generation ministry assistant, helping with all the details in that department. And then I want to introduce somebody new to you. He's not new to our church. He's a member here, but he's going to be new on staff this summer, Ethan Archer. He's going to be our first young adult slash recreation director, focusing on reaching and forming groups for young adults and our recreation ministries like Upward. So I just wanted to introduce you to those folks. I know a lot of you say, I don't know who's on our staff. We've got so many changes and so many new people. Hopefully that's helped you a little bit. But any of us and all of us, not just those people, but any on our staff would love to help you get connected to a group where you can make disciples, stir one another up, live out those one another commands.
Uh, in your notes today, if you're doing it on our app or you've got a piece of paper with our notes, I want to just show you some ways we can stir one another up. Because I want to I wanna really think through that. What does that mean? Because here's the deal. I think some of us go to a life group, like you're regular in a life group, but you just kind of show up and then slip out. You're present, you're keeping a chair warm and taking up some oxygen in the room, but you're not actually interacting with or stirring up anybody in that group. You're just sort of there. Hey, I praise God you're there, right? That's better than some. But I want to see you take the next step to actually get involved with and stir up the people in your group. Here's some ways. It's, all, it's listed there. First one is pray together. In our groups, we can spend time praying for one another. Lifting up requests, lifting up needs, asking God to work. It's hard to do that in here, isn't it? I know a lot of needs in our church because I'm one of the pastors here. But as an ordinary member, it's going to be difficult for you to really intercede on behalf of others and have others intercede on behalf of you unless you're involved in a life group together where you can share that and actually spend time with one another praying. We can minister the word to one another. What do I mean by that? What I mean is, as you study scripture together in a life group, it's different than what's happening right now. I'm preaching the word to you. I am exhorting you to obey the word of God. But in a life group, you have time for discussion. You have time to talk about together. What does this mean, this passage? And how does it apply to my life? And you can share with one another and interact with one another the living word of God, how it's affecting and impacting your life together. You can invite one another to join in living out gospel life. Um, I just think, for example, like one example to me is Jim Henry. Uh, he's a part of Rich Wallace's life group. Jim Henry leads our ministry to assisted living facilities. And he has people who go and teach lessons in those assisted living facilities around town. Guess who most of the people on his team, well, guess where they come from that help out in those assisted living facilities? Rich Wallace's life group. He knows those people. He's told them, he's, he's spurred them on. He stirred them up, said there's a need. There's a need in our assisted living facilities for the word of God. Would you help? And they've come alongside him and they minister week by week and taking the word there. They've, he's invited them to live out gospel life. We can watch out for one another spiritually. You know, when you're just on your own or just showing up here and then leaving a worship service and you're not actually in relationship with people, you're vulnerable, you're isolated. There's no one watching out for you. And it can be very easy for you to fall into a pattern of sin and not realize it until it's too late. But when we gather in life groups, we can share our struggles with one another. And we can even recognize in one another when something's going on that we need to address. Listen to what James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20 says. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. We can do that together in groups. We can look out for one another. We can help one another. We don't do that pridefully. We do it humbly, knowing how vulnerable we are too and hoping that others will come along and warn us and pull us back if we start to go down the wrong path. We can care for one another in difficult times. 
death, sickness, divorce. So many devastating things happen in our lives. And when we're a part of a life group, we're able to surround that person and care for them and help them in their time of need. And I'm just going to tell you, dear church member, it's hard to do that if you're not in a group. You know, when we hear about a death in someone's family and we look in our, our software and see, oh, they're not a part of a life group, then it's a kind of a scramble for us to make sure that, you know, there are people around you who are going to help you through this time. You need to be a part of a life group where people can come alongside you and help you and care for you uh, during some of your most difficult days. Encourage one another to draw near and hold fast. Those commands, those let us commands that uh, the writer of Hebrews mentioned there. When life is difficult and you feel like you're barely holding on by a thread to your faith, a life group is a great place for someone to say, hey, I'm going to help you hold on. And I'm going to keep pointing you to Jesus. And I'm going to remind you of the promises of God. Don't give up. Don't give up. We're expectant together. You notice the very last verse of the passage we see today says, And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Why is it urgent? Why is it important for us to show up and stir up? Because Jesus is coming back. There's a lost world around us. And when Jesus returns, I don't want to be found sitting on my hands. I don't want to be found... Uh, just being inactive and not making an impact on my brothers and sisters in the church and an impact on this lost world around us. And the way that we, we are able to be ready and unashamed when Christ returns is that we do it together and we show up and we stir up. And then we're an example to one another. That's, that's the last one I have there. We're able to be an example to one another. I've got an example for you. I, uh, not only do I teach a life group at 9.30 on Sunday mornings, uh, my wife Jessica and I host a young married life group on Monday nights in our home. And one of the young men in that group, he's an engineer who works at a local company, and he has a lost coworker who doesn't know Jesus, who he's just having conversations with and telling him about the Lord and sharing God's word and sharing the gospel with him. And so what he did was he has some friends who did grow up in church as well. And he's invited them and this coworker to come to his home on Thursday nights and to just study the scriptures together and to see what God has to say. And they meet every week and they look at the scripture and they talk about the gospel and they ask their questions. And he is just being bold in making his home available and in sharing there in the workplace who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And I'm just going to tell you, this 20-something-year-old newlywed has stirred me up. He has encouraged me to be more bold in the way that I talk to people about Jesus and opening my home up to people who don't know him. But guess what? I wouldn't know that if he wasn't in a life group with me. I wouldn't have that encouragement and that example if I wasn't in a life group together with him. And so let me challenge you in this way. In 2024, will you commit to stir one another up, to actually be a part of a group of people where you can be involved and not just show up, but stir up to the glory of God. If that's you, if you're already a part of a life group, I want to encourage you today to not just show up and slip out, but to show up and stir up, to really dive in and be an encouragement to one another. 
If you're not a part of a group, one of us that I showed you on the screen, one of us other pastors or staff, we want to get you connected today. We don't just have groups on Sunday mornings. We have them throughout the week uh, in, our, in people's homes. But also, if you realize today that, listen, I can't grow in Christ. I can't draw near to God because I've got sin in my life. I've never been saved. I've never trusted in what Jesus did for me. I've never invited Jesus into my life to be my Savior and Lord. You can do that today. You can draw near to God confidently today by putting your faith in Him that He died for you on the cross and rose again. Will you do that today? Take action today. Make that commitment today. Today is the day for it. Let's pray together. Would you stand and let's just pray together right now. Heavenly Father, we want to just stop and consider what you've said here through your word. We want to remember what Jesus has done for us. And we want to be careful to not just show up and slip out or to even neglect being here at all. But we want to be careful to show up and stir up, to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, to give ourselves away in a life group where we can invest in the lives of other people and be bold in provoking one another to do love and good works. Lord, I pray that whatever decisions need to be made today, that people would move, that people would be stirred to move and come towards you and draw near to you today. I pray this in Jesus' holy name, amen. Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and share. And if you want a pastor to follow up with you regarding today's message, reach out to us at severe.church slash follow up. Thanks again for joining us on the First Baptist Church Severeville podcast.